Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Better Living, a show about people and organizations that make an impact around Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm your host, Chris Arnold of 105.3 The Fan. Thanks for joining us. And this morning, our first guest is Ms. Krista Nightingale. She's the executive director of BetterBlock.org. Krista, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Oh, thank you so much for having us. Oh, let me tell you something. I am so excited because I've heard about the different things that BetterBlock.org is doing. In fact, right now you're in the middle of a park that's going on all the way through November 15th right now. Can you tell us about this particular park? And then we'll go back into how BetterBlock.org got started. Tell us about this event that's going on right now. Absolutely. Yeah. So a couple weeks ago, uh, we transformed about 40 parking spots in the middle of a parking lot um, at the corner of Forest and Adelia. Mm -hmm. And we transformed them into a park. So we uh, created some ground murals uh, with community members. Basically, we plotted out the lines and did a paint-by-colors situation where we had volunteers come in and fill in all those colors. Uh, We created a basketball court. We created kind of a flex space with a stage where folks can come and just have lunch or um, see performances from this area. And then we have an area that's specifically focused on smaller kids uh, where we have these blocks that, to me as an adult, don't seem that exciting, but the kids have absolutely enjoyed them. Oh, yeah. Um, and then we, we added some shade. We added some twinkle lights and um, just tried to create a space where people could come out and be around one another and enjoy um, getting to know one another. We also have some little free libraries out there that are stacked by the uh, Dallas Public Library. Um, we've got a shipping container that kind of acts as our storage space. It also um, has free Wi-Fi uh, that we can put out into the park from there. Uh, we've got several art pieces on, in the space. And ultimately, our goal with this space was to show that by creating a space that is loved and well cared for and by activating it and bringing the community together, ultimately we can address the crime that's in the neighborhood. Um, so over the years, uh, this area has become a bit of a crime hotspot. Mm-hmm. And um, there have been some different ways to try to address that and to um, kind of um, improve some of, some of that space. And what we're trying to show is that you can create a public space uh, that's for the community, with the community, by the community, and that ultimately that can lead to more positive change. So what we've seen so far, it's it's been in space, in the space for about two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have had daily programming that's been both um, fun, just kind of 
you know, we're having meditation and yoga, basketball games, things like that. But then we also have a ton of resources. So we've had the North Texas Food Bank out handing out food. Uh, Kids U has been doing after school programming with all the kids. Um, And it's been this really great mix of uh, resources for the area. And so far, not a single piece of furniture has disappeared. Uh, Nothing has been messed with. Uh, the community has really embraced it and been taking care of it. And we can see that kind of radiating out from this space. This is so impressive, Krista. I cannot say this enough to create a, a park on a space that was basically vacant. And and then, like you said, the community embraced it. There are different people in that area said, yeah, let's try to do this. And you made it so that it's so useful for small kids, for parents, for seniors, for individuals who are single um, and they can do different things together because they all know each other because they're from the same block. This yeah. is absolutely yeah. brilliant. Now I know this this is this particular park has been going on for about two weeks and it's going to go it's going to be there through the the fifteenth of November. Mm-hmm. And Correct. and then how? First of all, how are you able to engage all the different elements? In other words, I know this isn't the first park. This isn't the first one. So I guess you've got a group of people mm-hmm. that work with you and help create these environments, and then maybe sometimes they wind up staying or maybe uh, the city or or that particular neighborhood is able to convince people to create something like that, if not in the exact same spot, at least in the area. Am I wrong? No, you're right. So the way we work is a little odd um, and can be a little difficult to grasp at times, um, but you definitely got it. So We work by doing pilots, by doing demonstrations. Okay. Uh, Because we do them temporarily, we are able to erase the fear of permanency. Mm -hmm. Because most people, when you start to think about how you're going to change up a space or adding in some different things, um, there are a lot of what ifs. Oh, yeah. Yes. I can understand that the hesitancy (laughs) was like, wait a minute, it's Mm going to be like that. How do you know it's going to work? And that kind of thing. Mm hmm. Exactly. You overthink, you can overmeet, and ultimately those are the types of um, thoughts that can stop things from happening. But when you do it as a pilot, you can erase that fear of permanency and you can allow for people to be a little more creative in their approach because if it doesn't work, it doesn't stay. And that's okay. We tested it out. We learned, we listened. So much of our job is just listening to the community and watching how they interact in the space and, and seeing what that could lead to. So this park is up for 30 days. The parks department has purchased the property that it's on. And ultimately, the goal is for the space to turn into a park. What we're doing right now with these 30 days is we're gathering feedback from the community. We're seeing how they use it. And then we can take all this information, um, you know, both anecdotal and, and all the data, and we can turn it over to the parks department and say, this is what we saw, this is what we heard, and this is what we learned. And that can ultimately impact the design that they put in place for this on a permanent basis. This is so brilliant. It's almost like a pop-up restaurant. It's a pop-up park. Yeah. It is yeah. so brilliant. So so how long have you guys been doing this, and how was this idea first conceived? Yeah, so the Better Block Foundation, we are a nonprofit, and we started uh, late 2015, early 2016. But the idea began with our founding director, uh, Jason Roberts. Oh, uh, yeah, that's my buddy from back in the day. <laughs> Yeah, so around the time that you all were, that you neighbors. knew each other. Neighbors. We were neighbors. Uh, yeah. 
in Oak Cliff. He started. Yeah, exactly. So it all started in Oak Cliff. Um, so around that time, he and uh, some of your all's neighbors uh, walked out actually onto Tyler Street. And mm-hmm. they looked at that street and they asked themselves, well, what can we do to make this a place where we would all want to hang out? And they wanted to add cafe seating. They wanted to add flowers and basically just create a space for people to come together. But what they found is that there were ordinances from the 40s prohibiting these things from happening. So it was actually a old city laws, right? Old city laws. Old city laws that have just existed. And we've all kind of lived by them without really knowing it. Mm -hmm. So. It was a thousand dollars sad flowers. It was this weird area times market value times eighty five percent times twelve percent to add sidewalk cafes. And there was actually an ordinance from the forties that said um, people could not gather on a sidewalk. So what? if you want to, if you want to uh, kill street life, you could follow these ordinances, mm-hmm. which is what had happened. Mm-hmm. And we were seeing that play out throughout the city. So. He and his neighbors had heard of this concept called tactical urbanism, which is basically just the idea of neighbors kind of gathering up some ideas and going out and making the changes that they wanted to see. And so it was new um, as a concept in general around the world, but it was especially new here in Dallas at the time. So that's exactly what they decided to do. They painted bike lanes with kids paint, like kids finger paint Mm -hmm. and duct tape knowing that they could remove it quickly mm-hmm. if they had to. They rented some old cafe seating. They put out some street lights. Uh, they invited some of the neighbors who had ideas for businesses to pop up in some of the vacant buildings. And basically, they just created the street that they would like to see. And then they printed off those ordinances that they were breaking, and they posted them in the windows. And they invited City Hall to come take a look. Yes. And they did. And they weren't sure how it was going to play out. But ultimately, city staff said, you know what, y'all are right. Like, some of this just doesn't make sense, and we need to work on changing it. And over time, a lot of those fees started to change. The ordinances started to change. And that was when, you know, Jason and his neighbors really realized that there was a lot of power in going the grassroots approach Mm -hmm. and simply empowering neighbors and giving them permission to make changes in in their spaces that they know need to be made. So we have been doing that uh, for the past few years. Uh, We are based out of Oak Cliff, but Mm -hmm. we work all over the country um, and a little bit internationally as well. And basically our jobs are just we work alongside neighbors and we bring their ideas to life in days rather than decades. This is so impressive because literally you're matching what that particular neighborhood would like. It's not like, okay, this is our cookie-cutter thing, and it worked over Mm -hmm. here in this town, and it should work in your town too. You get the feedback from the people who live in that area. You find a spot, and I love the fact that it's, like you said, it's a pilot. It's an experiment. It's Mm -hmm. like a pop-up restaurant. It's there for a certain number of days, and people can experience it, and they can either love it or they can reject it. Exactly. Exactly. This is so brilliant. Keep going. (laughs) No, hey, I appreciate it. Um, We know. We know that there are certain things that generally work. Um, A lot of our cities, uh, especially here in the U.S., were built around the car. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of the issues that we see um, kind of stem from that. 
And so when we look at a particular space, there are certain things that we see immediately where we're like, okay, this is an overbuilt street. Um, traffic speeds are definitely an issue. People don't feel safe walking here. We know there are some ideas that we can bring to bear. Um, but when we're really talking to the neighborhood, that's when we get to understand, you know, we, we meet the local artists. Um, who can help with the murals, and we meet the local entrepreneurs who want to uh, test out their concepts. We do surveys of the community before we begin our work, um, but we never do a survey unless we know that we will bring something to life because so many of our neighbors that we work with have been over-surveyed and under-delivered on, and we're not going to be another one of those groups. Um, So when we ask questions, we will follow up with some action. But one of the questions we ask is, uh, what would you like to see here? Like, what what would you like to bring into this space? And when I first started, the answer that shocked me that we got so many times from all different parts of the country was the Cheesecake Factory. Like, that was <laughs> really? That was going to wow. come up. And it, it's fascinating just kind of what, what that means to people and, and what they'd like to see from that. Um, but we always try to say, you know, instead of the Cheesecake Factory, what about, you know, the guy who's making cheesecakes with his mom in their kitchen? How right. can we support him in your neighborhood here and give him a chance to test out his concept and see if that's something that could work in this area full time? And so that's kind of the approach that we'll try to take rather than, you know, trying to bring in the Cheesecake Factory. Let me give Jason some props here and, and go through yeah. some of his history. And like I said, he's your business partner. He's your friend. You've known him a better and probably longer than me. But all I can tell you is I've always been impressed with him in Oak Cliff. Yeah, I lived in Oak Cliff uh, for 13 years, my wife and my kids. And uh, his son, Asher, is just a, a brilliant kid himself. Um, but I want to go back to when he was first coming out with some of these ideas, he actually did something with the Texas movie theater. Mm-hmm. That's where Lee Harvey Oswald was captured. Mm-hmm. And he actually did some things in that space, which allowed that space to get reinvigorated, reimagined. The Texas theater mm-hmm. is now an active theater. Then he came up with the trolley cars, because way back in the day, they had the trolley cars going to Northwest Cliff, to the Bishop Arts District, going into downtown Dallas. And now that's a fact. And then he came up with all these bicycle lanes, not for, you know, the speed bikes, b- bikes, not the people who have the spandex and the helmets, but for the casual bike riders. And mm-hmm. he made these connections with all these different neighbors in the neighborhoods. And I just watched him do it like a Pied Piper for like, I don't know, the last 20 <laughs> years or so. He's just mm-hmm. an amazing guy. He was able to get government grants and the whole nine yards, but he's always been true to his vision of, Bringing back neighborhoods. And I think anybody that's been like to the Bishop Arts District in North Oak Cliff and they go, wow, this place is so cool. I think that's what he's been trying to do with his projects. Am I right right with that vision? Because I'm just I'm kind of seeing it from afar. Your hands on there. Am I right with this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. His ultimate goal is to create more walkable neighborhoods. Because more walkable neighborhoods means better business for the local entrepreneurs there on site, um, safer communities for people to walk around, bike around, whatever, you know, however they choose to do that. Mm -hmm. And it creates this sense of community. And, uh, you know, I always tell people the hardest part of my job is saying no to Jason's ideas because he has a million great ideas. And you can't tell him it won't work. You can't tell him because he's had too many that do work. I know, I know. They always work, um, but we don't always have the capacity to do all of them. So right. that is a challenge uh, with Jason because he has so many great ideas. 
But yeah, ultimately, you know, he's trying to create these these neighborhoods that are with and and by the community. And um, that has been kind of his his North Star for years. You know what else I like? I like the um, betterblock.org website. It is truly it's almost like a walkable space. I hate to say that, but it is. <laughs> it's so artistic. It's got so many photographs. The information's laid out well. It's almost like, okay, where are the people? Let me create something where the people can see what we can do. Can you talk about how the website was created? Because I'm really impressed with that. I see a lot of websites for a lot of different reasons, and your website basically shows why what you're trying to do should happen in certain people's neighborhoods. I love that so much, and thank you, and I can take no credit for it. Um, (laughs) That was Sarah who did that, and um, she was an AmeriCorps VISTA for us for a year. And um, that I don't know if you know about that program, but basically VISTAs, they work for a year. They serve a year. um, They are paid a living wage um, through the government, and um, they give a a lot of their time uh, for the different organizations that they work for. Okay. It's almost like the Red Cross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So she came to us and uh, is this really gifted and talented storyteller, writer. And then, uh, you know, we were talking about how our website needed an update. And she said, I think I could do that. And she, she created what you see there, which is, you know, this amazing showcase of the work that we get to do. Um, the images that we use are really important in the work because, again, it's our projects are temporary. Mm-hmm. And so to make them more permanent, you really have to be able to talk about what worked and what didn't work because there are a lot of lessons learned and failure. Um, and then the images that capture those moments for the people who couldn't attend. Um, those are what, you know, we can use to say, this is what it looked like. This is what it felt like. And so we do put a lot of focus into um, trying to capture the moments as best as possible and sharing those with others. Uh, because ultimately, our goal is to not need to exist. We want people to be mm-hmm. able to create the spaces that they want to live in. And we want to try to help inspire if possible. And so we, you know, use, use the images and use the storytelling in that way. We're visiting with Krista Nightingale. She's the executive director of betterblock.org. And I think one of the things that's so impressive to me is, like Jason was saying in uh, one of his TED Talks, that when he traveled around the world in some of the you know most really cool cities and some of the really cool countries, they had like different spots with statues or they had these different things where you say, oh, okay, this is where everybody goes and this is where everybody hangs out at. This, 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 this is the sidewalk cafes. This is what we're known for. And he felt like there's a lot of neighborhoods that have that opportunity, but they don't know it. Or that mm-hmm. that there's different cities that have things that that are really cool, but they're not designed properly to engage people. And I'm I'm leading up to the city of Dallas itself because you guys did a project uh, at City Hall Plaza, which is a mm-hmm. beautiful place. But a lot of people don't necessarily hang out on the plaza, even though the design of City Hall Dallas is absolutely state of the art. Can you talk about what you guys have done and and how the space is now used on a monthly basis? 
So that project was a little before my time, and I know there were a lot of partners uh, mm-hmm. involved in that. City Hall Plaza has been a bit of a head-scratcher for folks <laughs> for a while. Yeah, um, because it's like unique and it's beautiful, but nobody really mm-hmm. like hangs out there. Right. And different things have been done over the years. There is this photograph, um, and I don't remember what year it is. I want to say 50s or 60s, where they actually uh, poured sand I would, along in the in, Yes. Do you know that one? I've seen that picture, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they so they poured all the sand into the space and just made it a place where people are hanging out. And it's this amazing photograph that captures kind of this moment in time and this energy and community um but we really don't see that in front of city hall right and because it's it's just so blank right now um so yeah that project uh, it was a little before my time so i don't have great detail on it uh but well i can tell you what i know i can tell you what i know i thought it was so cool because they basically had like a lot of food trucks or vendors that mm-hmm. were local that could cook and show off the things that they could do and they also had like they brought out brought in some more chairs and some seating and they turned some of the natural concrete seating out there into like giant mm-hmm. chess tables and then they had giant che- or checker tables and then they had giant chess pieces out there for people it, they basically turned it into like a park like a living park mm-hmm. as opposed to just mm-hmm. that big they got this big pool out there this big you know, man-made mm-hmm. lake in the middle of the, mm-hmm. and they just made it more utilized and more useful. And I remember Jason didn't do this for that uh, city hall plaza, but one time I remember they turned it into like an actual beach. They had volleyball nets, mm-hmm. the whole nine yards. And I went, oh, that was cool. But that, that was like a, that was like a one-off. And I think uh, what Jason did for that one time, I think for a while there, I'm not sure if they're still doing it on a monthly basis. They would have the different people who had like restaurants that or had an idea to have a food truck that they could, you know, sell their food or right there and engage their businesses because that's city hall. That's where you do business anyway. And you got so many employees that work at city hall. I've been fortunate enough to host some things for them. They have asked me to host things like their Halloween party. And, and, and you get so many different people that work there in city hall, not just the the council people, but you've got staff and you got like the energy people there, the light people, the water people, you know, the people you pay your bills to right there in that Mm -hmm. building. And they basically had no use for that gigantic area out there. But now, you know, you guys have made them, use that in a more engaging way. And I just think it's so great the way you're doing this, like in different people's neighborhoods. Yeah, I I so appreciate that. We kind of took a little bit of that concept and did it in an empty lot um, on MLK Uh earlier this year and created a food park there. Oh, nice. Um, Again, it was, it was up for 30 days, but we had, you know, more than 30 food vendors who were from, you know, the South Dallas neighborhood Mm -hmm. who took part in that. And what was really fascinating about that project is, you know, we were told when we were planning, uh, no one's going to come. Right. This, this won't work. No one's going to come to this. Not over come. here. This ain't going to happen. Exactly. Yeah. And what I loved so much is we had community members who said they're wrong. Mm-hmm. People will absolutely come. And so we built this food park. And, you know, at the first weekend it was open, we're like, oh, all right, we're going to see what happens. The park ended up, the food component of it was up for eight days. It was open for eight days throughout one month. We had more than 5,500 people come wow. through and buy from the local vendors. Everyone, pretty much everyone sold out pretty much every day. Um, we had amazing artwork, amazing performers. And it was just 
this really beautiful moment where those community members who said they're wrong got to say, I told you so. That is absolutely awesome. And again, I love the way you guys go to different communities and say, this is what we might be able to do. And then you get the feedback and you're able to create these, uh, like you said, pilot programs, so to speak, with the space and show what they could have if they really want to have it there. How many, quote unquote, city councils or city laws have you been able to change over the years or or engage? Because I know it's been transformative, but I know change is not easy in some areas. That is a fantastic question, and I don't have the answer for it. But I do know that generally speaking, then generally speaking. Oh, man, it it depends. So change happens in a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. So we did a project in West Dallas, Wisconsin, where we proposed putting a um, kids play area, like a natural playscape in one spot. Um, We did that in 2019. They made that permanent about three months ago. Mm -hmm. They put that in. Um, In Akron, Ohio, uh, we proposed purchasing a house um, and turning it into a community center, turning the parking lot in the backyard into a park. Um, and building kind of off of that for the Bhutanese refugee community that was there. Mm-hmm. Um, that has all now been done, and there's a community development corporation that's formed that is continuing to work and make significant changes in the area. Uh, one city over, they also formed a community development corporation and have completely revitalized um, a stretch of road that you know we had proposed some businesses and uh, finding their identity, which happened to be in music and all all sorts of things. And so they've made road changes. Uh, they've had businesses coming in. Uh, we did a pretty big project in Iowa where the same thing happened, where I think three or four of the businesses were leased um, within like two months after the project. Here in Dallas, um, we are currently kind of working on mobile food vending ordinances mm-hmm. based primarily off our experience at the MLK Food Park. And we found that the ordinances um, can be a little confusing for folks to figure out and to try to navigate. And uh, we've also realized the difference between food trailers and food trucks and how those are permitted um, kind of places some barriers um, up for people. Mm -hmm. And so we can't do the food parks like you see in Portland or Austin Mm -hmm. and because of some of the ordinances that are in place. So we are... We're in the middle of that right now. and um, yeah, Are you saying you're to, trying to cut through the red tape? <laughs> <laughs> we're trying to make the red tape a little thinner. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very nice. So we're working on it. So um, how do you guys choose different neighborhoods to try to do this with? Are, are, are people sending you emails or reaching out yeah. to you? Or are you saying, huh, I drove through this part of town and I think they could use a park? Yeah, they choose us. And so we have more requests than we can possibly fulfill, um, which is always a really tough thing. And mm-hmm. so um, the, the, we do have to find funding to be able to do a project and to bring one to life. And so that's always the first obstacle we have to come over um, or overcome. And then working with the community to determine, is this something that you want? Um, so we're obviously not going to um, do a project if the community doesn't want it or right. feel like it's appropriate, that we absolutely will not do that. Um, so 
we work through a lot of those things. Um, and then when it is determined that a project's appropriate and we have the funding, we'll look at the space. And really we're looking for three things. It, one is what do the, the streets look like? Mm-hmm. Um, are they safe for pedestrians and bicyclists? Do they need a road diet? Do they need to be shrunk down to be a little bit safer for the community? Then we're going to look at the commercial element around it. Um, are the storefronts uh, vacant? And are there opportunities there for small business owners to test them out? Um, are the storefronts uh, active? But how could we assist the small business owners in maybe doing more in this space? And then third, and most importantly, is the community. Um, who are the super volunteers? Who are the people who are looking to see change? Um, what would they like to see? How involved do they want to be? And, um, you know, ultimately, can we all have a little fun as we go through this very tense process mm-hmm. and get to this really amazing outcome? Can you Tell me one of your favorites. It doesn't have to be the best one, but one of your favorite stories of of success or challenge or, you know, you went, wow, we did it. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, The one we currently have up is pretty, I think, monumental for all of us. Um, Okay, reset again where you're located. Reset again where it's located and, and what's going on. Yeah, so we uh, transformed a parking lot into a park, and we're calling it the park at Forest Sedilia. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's just in the middle of this gray, you know, parking lot space. It has just been amazing to be there on site with the kids. Uh, the park really picks up around 4.30. Uh, a lot of the kids come over after school. And just hearing their comments, there was one little girl who was talking about how much she loved the park. And she said, she's like, you know, normally I'm not a calm person. I'm not very calm, but this park makes me joyful. Oh, nice. And I think that ultimately that's, that's, that's what we want. We just want people to feel a little bit of joy and to be able to have that moment, um, even if it is in the middle of a parking lot that has been overlooked in the past. Can you see where this is going down the road in the perfect world where is betterblock.org looking to be because what you're doing is so important and i think it's so significant but is there like some down the road place where you'd like to be to say we've done this this and this or is it more organic and it just as it rolls out it it it, it reveals itself you know i think in the most perfect world um we don't exist Ah. In the most perfect world, community members um, know that they have the power to make the change that they want to see, and um, they have the inspiration, and they are able to do these things, and, you know, we don't need to be a part of it. Um, my background is actually in journalism, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until I started um, kind of understanding how elevated highways had segregated our cities and right. really seeing, you know, what redlining meant. It wasn't until those moments that mm-hmm. I realized how much can be done with planning, both good and bad. And, um, you know, at that moment, I just thought, what could a normal person, you know, with a journalism degree, what in the world could I do to impact any of this? And I think that's where Jason and the work that he was doing was so monumental because it, he, he has an IT background and he was going out and, like you said, winning these, you know, federal grants and making these huge changes. And, it, you know, it's him and his neighbors working alongside each other doing this. Um, so that's, that's kind of when I made the transition and realized, you know, this is something that I can help with as well. So 
ultimately, I hope I hope everyone knows that they can do this as well. And uh, ultimately, better blocks not needed. You know what? I think you guys may be providing the blueprint. You know what I mean? The, yeah. blu- the blueprint mm-hmm. on how you can make your neighborhoods more family friendly, more walkable, more more like you said, they're not just fast streets and people are zipping by or, or the overhead highways is separating the different parts of the same neighborhood. I, I think mm-hmm. you're providing some blueprints here. Can you give us some information on how anybody might want to volunteer or help or how they might want to partner with you on a, on a, on a basis where they can also uh, be a part of betterblock.org? Yeah, for sure. So they can definitely check out our website, um, sign up for our newsletter, uh, we're also very active on uh, social media, you know, mainly Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, mm-hmm. and LinkedIn. We're trying to figure out TikTok. We're not, you know, we we have some videos hey, that aren't great yet. We're I know what there. you're saying. Yeah, I know what you're saying. It, it's it's clever. You got to know what you're doing. There's a lot of influencers out there. You, what you do is hire you a TikTok influencer who who's like minded, and then let them mm-hmm. do it. That's what you do. Yeah. So if you're a TikTok influencer, you know, let us know. Let right. Us know. If you like um, what you're hearing. Yeah. Exactly. So you can follow us on all those channels. We definitely put out there when we're going to be in different cities and when we're looking for volunteers um, and what that looks like. We also have some resources online. So if you want to do some of these things on your own, um, we have an online library of street furniture designs that anyone anywhere can download for free. You cut them out using a CNC router, which is like a giant printer for wood. Mm. And then you can build these things without any glue, screws, or nails. So you can find that. It's just betterblock.org backslash wikiblock. Um, so you can always go out and make your own furniture. And then we have resources. We have recipes online, uh, different things like that. And then you can always send me a note and, and ask, you know, how do you go about doing some of this? And we'll help guide through. Fantastic. Krista, we will have to have you back on again, maybe in the next few months so we can track on what's going on and the latest project yeah. you guys are working on. Yeah, that sounds great. All right. That's Krista Nightingale. She's the executive director of betterblock.org. And joining us right now from Arlington Charities, Inc. is Wendy Stain. She's community outreach coordinator. Wendy, how you doing? I'm doing great, Chris. Good morning and happy Halloween. Yes. Are you doing anything this evening or has it already been taken care of over the weekend? Well, actually, we are, my granddaughters are one and a half and three years old, are coming over and we are taking them trick-or-treating in the neighborhood. Nice. And uh, that'll all be a lot of fun. There's also a block party in our, down the street, um, we've got um, the Bradley Lane spectacular we've got a couple of neighbors who are in competition over the best dressed scariest yard so they're having a block party and we'll probably mosey our way down there and oh yeah joining the fun and the scares well very nice and one thing the weather is supposed to be nice all the rest of the day so everybody's out and about on halloween it's a perfect afternoon late evening uh opportunity and wendy i cannot thank you for helping us start halloween off right we got to talk sure. about arlington and arlington charities inc because Sometimes people forget Arlington is one of the most busy cities in the entire state of Texas. It's it's one of the big entertainment capitals, let alone, you know, you got Six Flags, but now you got the Dallas Cowboys with AT&T Stadium. The Rangers have been there forever with Globe Life Field, and you got all the other activities going on. So please tell us about what Arlington Charities is all about. Well, thank you, Chris. Arlington, the city itself, is growing exponentially. It is growing very, very fast, as as many North Texas cities are. 
Um, we're 99 square miles of, um, I can't remember the population, but we are growing like crazy. Like I said, home of the Cowboys, mm-hmm. home of the Texas Rangers. We've got Globe Life Field. We've got the old Texas. You know, Texas Rangers uh, ballpark in Arlington. Oh, and Texas Live. Is, I forgot about Texas Live. All that yes. entertainment over there, the hotels and the restaurants. Right. And they just broke ground on a, a, a big hotel right there, the Lowe's Hotel. Mm-hmm. And so lots of big things are planned for Arlington, um, especially in the downtown area around UTA and the sports yes. entertainment business, business area. So we're expecting a lot of fun. Um, it's been fun for years and years and years, but we are really growing and expanding, and um, it's really exciting time to be a part of Arlington right now. And also the Levitt Pavilion. Mm-hmm. You can go there for live music and events. And it's just beautiful grounds and a great place to spend a Friday night. I'm glad you brought that up. Wendy, I'm so glad you brought that up because literally for those who haven't walked around downtown Arlington, it is so cool. It's it's like sidewalks and small shops and restaurants and the Levis Pavilion. We actually did a, a thing with Dak Prescott out there just like three years ago that was really, really nice at the Pavilion. So, like you said, they've got all kind of entertainment value right there, and it's right next to UTA. And, of course, UTA's uh, basketball arena is more than just a basketball arena. It is one of the most beautiful facilities to see anything indoors in this area. I mean, Arlington is booming. It is booming, and you are right. Even If it's been three years since you've been here, you better come back because it's changed a lot since then. We've got lots of um, um, restaurants, mm-hmm. and we've also got um, great little coffee shops and, and it's afternoon it's, strolling. There's it's so walkable. Walk yeah, yes. it's so walkable. I mean, I just love the way it's it's like it's got its own atmosphere now. It's like, oh, okay, this is not just a cookie cutter. This is really, really cool. Yes, and they've uh, revamped the library in the last few years, and it's a great, awesome place to, uh, you know, for resources and things like that. And just the grounds around it are just really, really beautiful. So it's a great place to walk, visit, hang out with your friends. We have a brewery here. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got... For everybody and all kinds of walks of life, we've got something for you to do. And what Arlington Charities does is we are actually a um, we are a nonprofit, and mm-hmm. we mostly deal with food. And um, our mission is to engage and lead our community in the fight against hunger and poverty. Nice. So Arlington Charities is not really an umbrella um, charity like you think. Mm-hmm. It's actually 90% food. We provide a drive-through mobile pantry. For folks in the Arlington um, ISD boundary, and uh, that is open five days a week, every Monday through Friday, about eight thirty to noonish to noonish, and we actually distribute to folks who make an appointment. You have to make an appointment first online, or you by calling us, and we can do same day appointments. So if you're a parent on Monday and you've got you're running low on funds, and you've got a choice between putting gas in your car to get to work or groceries. Put the gas in your car, call us, and come get some groceries. We'll load you up with about 75 pounds of food, which includes protein and frozen meat, bakery goods, fresh fruit and vegetables, and dairy. Dairy Enough to get you, you know, your supplemental groceries through the next couple of weeks. And you can come up to three times a week, a month. And um, it's just a really, really easy process. You might be in line, you know, maybe 15, 20 minutes or so. But it's worth you know, you it. You have to get out of your car. Yeah. We load you up. You know and, what? Uh, we've streamlined we've streamlined our process, so it's really, really easy and quick to get through the line and 
go on about your business and go to work or mm-hmm. you know, go home and pick up the kids from school, whatever you need to do. You know, Wendy, this is I'm so glad we're talking about this because we've <laughs> talked about it on the show before. Hunger is almost like America's biggest secret because there are so many people who you, might even be your next door neighbor and you don't even know it. You think, OK, they're you know, they have a nice little situation or everything's going fine. And something happens where they can't have every meal. The kids don't eat regularly or you don't eat regularly. And it's like there's a lot of people who are hungry and a lot of other people just don't know. And I think it's important for people to know that Arlington Charities is one of the organizations that's there. It's nothing to be ashamed of because in this day and age, especially, you know, during this pandemic, there's a lot of people who are in situations that they never would have thought they would be in and their families are there with them. That is so true, Chris. And especially with COVID over the last year and a half, as we all know, it's been a big, huge challenge. A lot of changes have happened during that time with people losing their jobs Mm -hmm. or, taking less of a job or having to stay home with kids because they're homeschooling, that kind of thing. Yeah. So in 2019, the number of our clients we served tripled. Uh, uh, actually, in 2020, our number tripled to, compared to 2019. And so that with that, we had to change our whole model because we were originally set up as kind of like a grocery store. You come in and shop. Sure. And you pick what you need. Mm-hmm. Well, we had to change that to, in order to keep everybody safe, our volunteers, uh, we have a very, very small staff of about 12 or so, and we we used about the, about 80 volunteers on a weekly basis usually. But total in 2020, we had 298 uh, volunteers, and they're really the power behind uh, making things happen every day. We could not do it without them, and they are so vital to the uh, livelihood of Arlington Charities. In fact, Arlington Charities was created in 1979, 42 years ago by a handful of volunteers from a church. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's just evolved from there and it's grown ex- exponentially. It has uh, instituted many new programs um, to kind of impact um, our hungry our hungry neighbors in need. Um, so I went to an event last week with the Arlington ISD and found out that 75% of students um, are at a socioeconomic disadvantage, which is really, that's a huge number. And so we worked with Arlington Arlington ISD last year, and that's how we got the word out to a lot of these families that were experiencing um, hunger and even the shortages in the grocery stores. I mean, that was an issue of receiving just main staple foods. They didn't have those, but we did. Mm -hmm. And so we were able to take care of them um, in those times of need. And um, we're really proud of that. And because of everybody's hard work, um, our volunteers, Mm -hmm. our staff, Everybody involved, we were actually nominated and won Nonprofit of the Year from the Greater Arlington Chamber of Commerce. Just um, on October 13th, uh, we were presented with that award, and we were so humble and proud and surprised and excited, and it's just a huge honor for us. And so we thank the community for putting us in that place and recognize our efforts and uh, those of all of our, our people that help support us. Yes, and it's so well-deserved. Again, it's, it's a, a, a tremendous honor, but it just shows about how effective you guys have been making sure a lot of people who are hungry don't go hungry. Now, you mentioned you'd have to change up the model a little bit. Is this kind of like how uh, certain restaurants had to have, like, service where you drive through and, and drive up? And, and can you talk about how you were able to uh, Make that pivot. That's what everybody says nowadays. Uh, during the pandemic, we were able to pivot. So could you talk about that a little bit? 
pivot was the word for 2020 for sure. <laughs> for real. And, uh, Ar- <laughs> and Arlington, you started hearing it all over the news. And that is the word for 2020. And definitely Arlington Charities did the exact same thing. Like I said, prior to COVID-19, we were uh, coming inside shop type mm-hmm. um, uh, process. And then within a few days, our folks had turned everything around to where it was a drive-through and like curbside. Mm-hmm. Um, you did not get to choose your groceries that you wanted because we gave everybody basically the same thing, but shelf-stable items, uh, canned goods, just things that they can cook with. And a lot of these things people have not ever cooked with or were familiar with. So that's a good thing right? because it exposes them to more nutritional food than they probably would have gotten you know, through drive-through fast food or something. Or right. you know, Sometimes we tend to go with the cheaper, you know, what's the right. way to feed the family for, and it's not always the healthiest. And so when we provide fresh fruits and vegetables, our clients are really, really excited about those things and to try new things that they haven't ever before. So we were pr- basically providing grocery curbside service at no cost. And these are supplemental groceries to get people through these rough times. And like I said, we, they could receive services up to three times a month uh, and approximately 75 pounds of groceries each time. Now, each time, Mm-hmm. The groceries might be a different. Um, we do receive um, some food from Tarrant Area Food Bank. They're one of our major partners in Fort Worth. And we also have six to seven grocery stores that donate to us on a regular basis that we pick up from each week. And that's where we get a lot of our items and our variety of items. We'll also have some hygiene items mm-hmm. oh, good. Um, for people, too. And so we give those items out as well. Or we might get Sam's might give us a couple of mattresses that need to move out of their warehouse and mm-hmm. so we're able to provide things like that but like i said 90 percent of what we do is is food um and so that's how we handled the drive-through uh how we became in store to drive through but another program that we instituted was for our senior clientele those people with mobility issues uh-huh. or who are homebound right <laughs> And so what we did to accommodate them, they had like little, especially during COVID when everybody's on lockdown, mm-hmm. they had very little um, stimulation outside, you know, the outside world. So a phone call a couple times a month from one of our caseworkers helped provide that um, necessary touch to kind of check on them and see how they're doing. Sure. And give them a chance to kind of check through, hey, would you like bacon or sausage this week or potatoes or rice? And they do get to pick from a menu of items. We take their order, and we deliver to them uh, up to twice a month. And uh, so that is a program that we instituted last year, and it has worked really, really well. And those clients are so appreciative. Now, somebody that can fit in this category besides senior citizens would be some people with mobility issues, even if their car is not running. Mm-hmm. And they're stuck at home and they, because they're not working, they don't have the money to fix their car. They might be stuck in a situation where... They might need, you know, some help for a few weeks. So we do that as well. Um, so we're really, really proud about that program as, as well. And like I said, our clients are so happy to see us and to receive that uh, weekly or twice a month phone call. Oh, yeah. We're talking with Wendy Stain. She is the Community Outreach Coordinator with Arlington Charities, Inc. And you mentioned this, the, the, the sick and shut-in or the seniors or the people who have mobility issues. These are the little things, especially during the pandemic. It's the little things that help people with mental health awareness or mental wellness. Because a lot of people, because of the pandemic and they weren't able to socialize like they normally do or they couldn't get around, they had to deal with being alone a lot. 
And just like you right. said, that simple phone call, just checking in, seeing how you're doing, just the, just the little touches like that. In fact, I've even found that people who have pets have been able to deal with things a little bit better too because a lot of people's pets are their best friends. Can you talk oh, about sure. can you talk about the fact that you know you've been you guys have been there for not just the your normal clientele, the normal people that you see on a regular basis, but even more people over the last year or so. Right, exactly. I wanted to give a quick shout out to sure. Girl Scout Troop 3504. Mm-hmm. They spent some time this past Monday. They handcrafted cards for our senior citizens that were um, going to go in their delivery bag with their groceries next nice. week. Nice. And they made some homemade cards, just like with the inspirational quotes inside. They made it with construction paper, so they're real colorful. They were all fifth graders, and so they were excited to be able to do this. We can't take anybody under the age of uh, 14 to donate time or to volunteer in the in the um, in the warehouse, so this is a way that younger kids can get involved too. Mm-hmm. And the seniors absolutely love it. So absolutely love it. So Arlington Charities has been around since 1979, and, and I'm sure you've got a network of all kinds of partners and volunteers over the years. Is this part of the reason you guys have been so successful in winning the big awards? Because you are there for a while. And obviously, you've had lots of successes, so there's a formula to it that that you know how to reach out to people and provide them with the things that they need, especially food. Oh, sure. Yes, we could definitely could not do this without our other nonprofits in the area and the community partners and businesses, uh, donors. Our donors are huge, um, and our and, and our volunteers. We could not do it without partnering and collaborating with the, all these folks. We all work hand in hand. We refer people to other nonprofits in the area for services and vice versa. We've um, been working recently with um, the uh, Low Income Housing Authority to kind of reach out to those folks to if there's make sure there's nobody there that's going hungry that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people who are being evicted and living in motels now. And some of them don't have transportation. They don't have any way to get groceries and they don't, and maybe they're from another a country or culture, and they mm-hmm. can't apply for services, SNAP benefits, and um, it takes sometimes a long time where we can take care of someone today. Right. So if somebody calls us, even we, we, call, we close the office at 1 o'clock every day, but if somebody comes in at 1255, they're, they're like, hey, I have no food to feed my family this weekend, we will put them together an emergency bag of food and send them home so that they don't have to be hungry over the weekend. Um so we're there to serve, and we are more than happy. We've got more than enough food. We just want to make sure people know we are here, mm-hmm. um, and we're ready to serve them, and there's no need to go hungry at all. Um, you know what's so wild? It's, it's so wild because you guys have been there so long, and it's almost like you're built into the community. A lot of people know how to reach out for you and, and touch with you guys. I want to know when did you personally get involved because sometimes – you know, you say, oh, this is just the perfect spot for me. This is not even a job. It's a career. I love what I do. Tell us your story, Wendy. Well, actually, I have, I'm a Fort Worth girl. I was actually born in Dallas, but I've been in Fort Worth for 20-some-odd years. And I had worked many years at the Star-Telegram as a community marketing director. Okay. And I worked with a lot of nonprofits and a lot of charity groups, and we basically – if they would come to me and they needed a promotion for an upcoming gala, and of course nonprofits have a very limited um, 
spending fund. Mm-hmm. So I would trade advertising for exposure. And so I worked with a lot of nonprofits that way. So I was familiar with many of the groups, but this one I had not heard of. And um, I actually left that position about four years ago uh, to pursue some other things. And um, I was just kind of cruising indeed one day, and I came across Arlington Charities. I was like, well, what the heck is that? Mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was. <laughs> and I looked into it, and they were looking for a part-time um, outreach coordinator and a volunteer coordinator and some other jobs. I was like, man, what is going on here? Yeah. Well, they were growing, and they needed to be able to handle um, – influx of clients and um, tasks that needed to be done to, you know, take care of everybody. So I answered the job ad. I got called in, hired, um, and uh, that was back in April. So I've just only been there uh, several months, maybe about six or seven months. Since then, I've really gotten to know the Arlington market really well. Actually, I moved it to Arlington almost three years ago. Okay. And I wasn't familiar with the Arlington area like I am Fort Worth. I know it like the back of my hand, Mayor Pride, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, going to several different events. And so I'm try- getting my foot in the door and doing that here. I am a part of Leadership Arlington now, which is a great group of uh, potential leaders for the city and uh, good folks to know uh, to help you, you know, to help us share the word about our business and vice versa. So the whole networking thing is coming together. Sometimes I feel like it's slower than I want it to be, but um, I really enjoy it. There's so much room to grow and to expand. I'm excited about it every day. Arlington Charities is just a wonderful organization. And like I said, I want to make sure we're able to share it with everybody who's listening right now here on Better Living. And can you talk some more about some of your food partners? Because I'm only going to bring this up because I don't know, and there's no such thing as a dumb question. I know that, you know, in the news the last couple of weeks or month at least, People have been talking about supply chain issues, and this is internationally in the ports on the East Coast and the West Coast and getting the the things that they need. Can you talk about any issues that you might have had with Arlington Charities on food food supply chains, or is everything that you guys are doing in good shape? Because people are curious. Yeah, I think we're actually we're in really, really good shape. We work with, like I said, seven different grocery stores. I'm here in Arlington, Whole Foods, Sprouts, Sam's is a huge contributor, as as Walmart and Kroger. Mm -hmm. They've been very, very good to us um, in providing fresh fruit and and vegetables. We always are able to send our clients home with, you know, potatoes and and, um, peppers and uh, bananas and strawberries. Oh, my gosh, the strawberries have been crazy this (laughs) summer. Everybody has probably made strawberry shortcake till you know, they've got strawberry <laughs> shortcake coming out of their eyeballs. Right. That is not a bad thing. Oh, yeah. Um, so we have tons and tons. Now, some of that stuff, all that stuff has to be sorted through every morning because we do have some things that aren't as, uh, are a little too ripe. So mm-hmm. it just takes um, a dedicated staff of volunteers to make that happen. And they are so efficient, and we are so proud of them and depend on them so heavily. We, you know, this award or any pat on the back or hug, socially distance, of course, mm-hmm. um, can't ever be enough. So um, we are so thankful for their contributions to this, as well as the, the grocery stores. And uh, Tarrant Area Food Bank is a huge supporter. Um, like I said, we get a lot of our items that we don't maybe receive from the grocery stores to supplement that, to make sure everybody receives, um, you know, a, a balanced, you know, nutritional package from us. Now, this is the Halloween weekend, but also Thanksgiving and the Christmas holidays are right around the corner. 
are there any projects or things that are going on with Arlington Charities that people need to know about in the upcoming months or by the end of this year? We are busy, 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 and right into the middle of Thanksgiving food distribution. So with that, each year we have a Thanksgiving uh, food drive, and we actually have a menu that we put together uh, that will give our clients like the basics to to prepare a full Thanksgiving meal. Nice. It includes a couple cans of corn, a couple cans of green beans, some yams, pumpkin pie filling, um, mac and cheese. You can't have Thanksgiving without mac and cheese. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Also, stuffing or dressing, whichever way you want to call it, Mm -hmm. Um, potatoes, brown sugar, you know, just the basics that you need to make a full Thanksgiving meal. Now, we will not provide turkeys, but we do provide a gift card to – I can't remember the grocery store that we're using this year, but so they can go get specifically a ham or a turkey or whatever sure. the main staple is. Mm-hmm. So there's some, some religions or some cultures that don't eat meat. Right. So they might choose something else. And so that way um, we do cater those other cultures as well. Like if somebody prefers, you know, beans or, or rice mm-hmm. over potatoes, we can t- accommodate that. Some of those, some of those mm-hmm. clients don't want meat in their packet, you know, in their. Right. They may be vegan. Yeah. Right, so we don't. We, so we do try to be uh, accommodate those people as well. So with the thing, so we're actually taking applications. This would be a separate um, from our regular mobile drop through. We're taking applications and sign up through November fifth, which is next Friday, I believe. Yes. So if you want uh, to get in on the action and receive a package of, uh, you know, Thanksgiving package for your your meal on Thanksgiving. Be sure to put, um, sign up for it before November the 5th. You can do that online at arlingtoncharities.org. Okay. And, and also with that. Go ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. Also with that being said, we need volunteers. Right. We need volunteers to help, yeah, pre-pack these Thanksgiving bags and get help us get the food out to these people. So on November 8th to the 12th, we, need, we are pre-packing these Thanksgiving bags. So it's going to be a busy week. We'll be working from 9 a.m. to noon, and we'll need at least uh, about 10 volunteers, additional volunteers each day. So if you have the time, of, you know, Monday through Friday during that week to come help us out, we would love to take you. Another way to sign up for that would to go to our online portal and just look up um, volunteer and put your information in. And uh, Georgia is our volunteer coordinator. She will contact you and get you set up on when to come in and do a little quick training and get you ready to go. And um, it'll, it's a good, still good thing to be able to do. So that's... It really is. Yeah. It really, really is. November 8th through the 12th. You know and what? Also, go ahead. Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, go ahead. I want you to go ahead and finish. The following week, on November 17th through the 18th, is when we'll actually distribute these Thanksgiving kits. So any everybody that signed up, we will try to accommodate everybody, and we should be able to do that. You know, looking at what we have now, but they will come through on the 17th and 18th to pick up those those groceries. And so we'll need more volunteers then too. We're doing one uh, distribution drive is from 9 a.m. to noon, and then we have a second distribution drive that same day from 12:30 to 3:15. So if you can't go to watch the kids get out of school or so. We can make those arrangements then, but so that'll be the 17th and 18th of November is pickup. Hey, Wendy, this is a pleasurable conversation. We must check in with you again real soon with Arlington Charities. Can you give us that website once again? Yes, arlingtoncharities.org 
there's um everything you need is there whether you want to volunteer you want to make a cash donation or um, donation of food there's places where you can find out information about that also um, we are checking those thanksgiving uh, signups right now we will have uh, christmas signups as well uh, coming up after at the first of december so we'll start doing those they may even be doing those now you know, double check on that mm-hmm. but uh and there's three ways to give to arlington charity number one you can text ac give so that's our stands for arlington charities give to 243-725 and you'll receive some prompts that'll tell you what to do it'll take you to a website and you can donate that way each thanksgiving kit costs a little under 25 dollars to see a family of four um so if the email you want to think about it that way uh, you can also, another way to give, number two, is to donate online. Um, it's easy to find. Just go look for the do- donate, the drop-down menu, and put your information in. Or you can mail or deliver a check to our Arlington location. Uh, we are located at 811 Secretary Drive, and zip code 76015, right there in the heart of Arlington, Cooper Street, and Secretary Drive. You can find us right there. Like I said, we're there from about 830 in the morning until 1 in the afternoon. And we will gladly take your donation and give you a socially distanced hug, mm-hmm. high five, or whatever have you. And um, help out for the year and come have some fun and feel good. Get the warm and fuzzy. Exactly. Wendy, it's been a pleasure. Keep doing the great work with Arlington Cherries, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Thank you, Chris. Happy Halloween, everyone. Happy Halloween. And thank you all for listening to Better Living. I'm Chris Arnold. Be sure to tune in next week as we highlight other organizations and events happening right here in DFW. So long, everybody. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.